Is it on now? Oh, there we go. All right. So, um, so you know, it's amazing how how that um, you know just just a simple narrative that people put out that it can control how people live their everyday life, and uh, and it is very important to understand that. You know, we, we've talked about, I, I had this thought this week as I was praying about this. We've talked about how in America, um, we, we don't, you know, I don't want to use the word fear, but we think about a time that, uh, a time that may come in the future of America where Christians, where you and I, are persecuted for our faith. That possibly, uh, and you know, and, and it's getting to the point where, where it could be a very, uh, near future, but that we see that, you know, that if you talk about a certain subject that, you know, they're, they're, they can even label it as a crime now and, and how like if you, if you just simply uh, preach the Bible, people can put, people will say, label that as hate speech uh, with different groups and different things like that. And it really is amazing to think that, that, you know, right here in America, the greatest nation on the earth that has free speech, supposedly, and, and all of this, that, that we are limited in what we can say. And, you know, and, and, uh, and I was thinking this week as I was praying about this, I was thinking, you know, isn't it, isn't it something that something like this can be a precursor, can be a, something that just gets us ready to, to the fact of, to, to the thought that you know what we as a church need to be ready to have our voices heard. You know, B.J. mentioned that uh, A.W. Tozer quote, uh, and he said, and, and he said, a scared church needs a fear, or a scared world needs a fearless church. You know, and and I agree with that. Now is not the time for the church to back up and act like the world. Now you say, well, Pastor, is you know, aren't you concerned about the virus? Are you know, are you saying it's nothing? No, I understand. Listen, I understand the, and I'm not a doctor, and I, you know, and I don't understand everything about it, but I do understand this, is that, you know, what I believe, see, the Bible calls us believers. We believe something. I believe something. I can't speak for you. I believe something. Right? I believe, I believe the Word. You know, and, and the, the question, and here's the question that we all have to answer. Do we truly believe the Word? Because, you know, what I'm getting ready to show you this morning, if you truly believe the Word, then you cannot buy into the fear that the world is trying to sell you. One thing you'll understand is this. I heard Bill Winston say this on a little clip that that they put on Facebook, and I thought it was so good. And he was just talking about fear, and he was talking about what fear will do to you. And he said, you know, he said that, that fear will make you say things that you never thought you would say. Fear will make you do things you never thought you would do when you give in to fear. That's the reason the Bible tells us very plainly that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but He gave us a spirit of, uh, He gave us, the Bible says that He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So He gave us the, the ability to think like Him. Amen. And that's an incredible thing. And, you know, so, so as, as a church, how do you respond? How do we respond when the world goes nuts? You know, how do we respond in a crisis? How do we respond 
when so much fear is being spread and everybody's closing everything and everybody's, you know, just so much is happening. And yes, I do understand. Listen, there, there, are, um, there are practical things that every one of us should be doing. And, and I'll even say this. There are practical things that we all should have already been doing. It's amazing that we're having to educate people on how to wash hands. What have you been doing? You know, I mean, I heard, I saw somebody put that, you know, remind me, remind me after this pandemic if you're the one that we had to teach to wash hands because I don't want to wash your hands if you didn't do it before. You know, because that means you won't be doing it after. Either. I mean, but, but washing hands is something I heard that from the time I was the smallest kid. My mom said, wash your hands, soap and water. You know, I mean, and just, just normal things like that we should be, that we should be doing. But fear should not be a part. Fear should not be prevalent in the in the the church in 2020. We we should, the church should not be the church should not look like the world. Now, yes, we take precautions. Yes, we take extra steps. Yes, we make sure we we do everything we can do in the natural. I 1,000 percent agree with that. You know, we sanitize stuff. We wipe stuff down. We you know, I mean, if you're feeling, if your if your immune system is weak, if you're feeling sick, then sure, don't go out in public. I mean, I understand that, and I agree 100 percent with that. But at the same time, we cannot live in fear. We cannot let these things dictate how we live our lives. The Bible is very clear about uh, the fact that fear is is polar opposite of faith. When you when you know the picture we've been put up every. Every week here this year, you know, the, the kitten looking in the, the mirror of the Word and seeing the lion. Well, guess what? When we, as a man and woman of God, when we look in this, this book, we do not see fear looking back at us. Actually, we see quite the opposite. We see strength. We see security. We see peace looking back at us. Amen. Now, uh, at the beginning of this year, the Lord told me to... Um, to read Psalm 91 uh, every day. And he told me to read I'm reading it from the King James and from the Amplified, or the New King James and the Amplified, every morning. And he had me two months ago, in, in, at, the end of, middle of, at the middle of February, he had me start praying Psalm 91 over our church every day. Now at the time, you know, at the time it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal. There wasn't a, necessarily an epidemic or a pandemic happening or Anything like that, but but it was it, it is very interesting to me uh, how God has how how I feel anyway the way I look back and looking back on that I just feel like God has prepared us for today and that that what we're going to share today is um, if you will take it and listen to it and apply it to your life you you do not have to live in fear. One of the best one of the best things you can do is go home and turn your TV off. If you if you just flip that TV on and watch TV twenty four seven and and Fox CNN I don't care what you watch ABC CBS if you if you just have the TV on you are going to be in fear mad upset fear you name it you have all kinds of emotions going on now I'm not saying you don't you can't watch TV I mean I like to keep up with what's going on and that's fine. But I do not let the TV dictate how I approach things. I, I look to the Word for that. Amen? So the Lord started having me, having me not only read this every morning, 
but he had me start praying this and speaking this. And in a lot of ways I do, you know, and, and I ask you guys, I gave you guys the, the prayer, the, the three prayers that Paul prayed in Ephesians, the two in Ephesians and one in Colossians. And I trans, I, I kind of altered that to, to be in first person to where you can pray that for yourself. Actually this month, the Lord's having me pray it for another group of people and, and, uh, you know, in the church here. And, and I, so I'm, I'm praying those prayers every single day, uh, for our worship team and speaking that over them and praying that over them. And, uh, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, I think it's important that we learn how to pray the Word. And Psalm 91 is another, probably, to be honest with you, Psalm 91 is probably one of, if not the most quoted Scripture. Now, everybody knows John 3.16, and everybody quotes that, and Psalm 23, you know, everybody knows that. But Psalm 91 um, is also another well-known passage that people quote. And so I want, to, I want to take a fresh look at this. Now, I know a couple of Wednesday nights ago, about a month ago, the Lord had me do something similar to this on Wednesday night. And, and it's a little bit different than what I did on Wednesday night a few weeks back. But, but I want us to look, at, to, to look at Psalm 91 and break this down and, and, and do it in such a way that you can take this, you can go home and you can do this every single day for yourself, and you can see the power in Psalm 91. You know, it's one thing for me to stand up and just tell you guys, God's your protector. God's your shield. He's your buckler. He's your, you know, he, he's your high tower. He's this, this, this. And it's great for you to know that. But it's much better for you to be able to look in the Word and see it in the Word and find yourself in the Word. Amen? So I want to show you, I want to just break Psalm 91 down for us this morning. And the question is this, how, how, do we, how do we make it? How do we live in, a, in perilous times, in, in a time when, um, you know, when everything around us is going crazy? How should the church respond and how should we live our lives? And, and, and hopefully we can answer some of that today. So Psalm 91, now this is interesting because this is one of the only Psalms, like if you've got a study Bible or it's not one of the only, but it's one of the few Psalms that doesn't have a heading on it. Like if you look underneath most of them, like Psalm 92 is on the next page, and it, Psalm 92 says it's a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. But Psalm 91 doesn't have a title. And a lot of people question about who wrote Psalm 91. Some people think that Moses wrote Psalm 91 before they, uh, you know, as they were being uh, delivered out of Egypt and, and getting ready to go through the Red Sea and, and different things, and they think that Moses, that it was Moses talking about that. Some people think that it's David, uh, as the, as enemies were, were attacking him, and he was, you know, and, and, and he was facing some of these things. We don't really know who, who wrote Psalm 91, but we do know this, is that it's a powerful psalm. Amen. And it's something that we can, we can look at. Now, the interesting thing about Psalm 91, if you, if you read after scholars and, and theologians and stuff, They'll, they'll talk about this, that Psalm 91 shows all three of the Godhead in Psalm 91. Uh, verse number 1, they, the Holy Spirit is speaking. Verses 2 through 13, it's Jesus speaking. And then verses 14 through 16, it's Father God speaking. And, and I'll show you that as we go through here. But let's, let's look here in Psalm 91 because, let me just say this, and this is true with any, with any Scripture, but just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it that it's going to apply for everybody. 
I, I tell this story all the time. I tell this story all the time, and, and I mean, it's you know, uh, I heard Keith Moore tell this story back when I was in Rama. But he, you know, Rama used to have a counseling session or center, and he was on the phones, and and it was something God never told him to do. Brother Hagen talks about that that they started it, and the Lord never really told him to do it, and they didn't do it for very long. But but uh, anyway, Keith was on the phone, and and this lady called in, and she was all upset, and she was mad at God. Long story short, she had went out and got mugged and got her wallet stolen, got money stolen, got beat up. And she was calling in and just wanting to know why God let that happen to her. And so Keith started asking questions. He's like, well, what, you know, well, tell me about it. And, and she says, well, I quoted Psalm 91 three times before I walked out the door. And God still let somebody beat me up and steal my money. You know, and, he, and, Keith, and you know, so Keith was listening to her and he started asking questions. And come to find out, she, she said this statement. She said, well, she said, you know, something on the inside told me not to go, but I read Psalm 91 again. And then she's like, and just something just told me I shouldn't go down there. And she said, and I, so, but I do Psalm 91 is a Psalm of protection, so I read Psalm 91 again. And she said, and after I read it three times, I went down there and I got mugged. Why did God let that happen? Well, guess what? The Bible's not a magic wand to wave at something and make it do what you want it to do. The Holy Spirit was speaking to her, telling her not to go. And I don't care how many times she read Psalm 91, she was still going to get in trouble. Because the Holy Spirit was saying, don't go. Right? So just because you read Psalm 91 doesn't mean that it's automatically going to happen in your life if you don't, if you don't do certain things. And I'm going to show you what those things are. If you don't, I don't want to use the word qualify because we qualify for Scripture. But, but there, there are certain things that, that, that you have to do in order to get the Scripture to, to manifest for you. Amen. And we'll look at that. So let's just look at verse 1 and we're just going to break this down. Um, the best we can this morning. It says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, this is a declaration. Like I said, most people, most theologians agree that this is in the picture of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit making a declaration over the body. And he says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, there's a lot in that Scripture. The Bible says, notice, notice who he's talking about here. It says, he who dwells. The word dwells means to abide. It means, um, if you actually look that word up, it means this, to stop permanently. In other words, you, you know, everybody in this room this morning, we, we do not dwell right here at Destiny Bible Church. We, we come through and meet at certain times, and then we go somewhere else. But you dwell at your house. When you leave here, you're going to go eat, or you may go home, or whatever the case may be. But you spend the majority of your time at your dwelling, at your where you abide, where you permanently stay. And so notice here, the first thing he said is this. This psalm is not for somebody who just shows up on Sunday and doesn't think about God the rest of the week. This, he said, this, he said, he, he said, he's talking about he who dwells, who stays, who, who abides in the secret place. Now, where's the secret place? You know, and you can, there's a lot being said about the secret place. I mean, you can say a lot about the secret place, I should say, about where that is and, and what, where all that includes. I heard, I heard somebody say this one time. I think it was Joseph Prince made this analogy and I thought it was great. He said that the secret place to him is like, is, is like what we call in Christ. He hides us in Christ. 
And here's the incredible thing about being in Christ. He said it's a picture of like Noah in the ark. You know, we get put in Christ. Noah was put in the ark and the door was shut. The ark had no windows. You know, Noah was inside the ark. If Noah fell, he was still in the ark. He couldn't fall outside the ark because every because there was no windows or doors for him to fall out of. He was in the ark. You and I are in Christ. Whatever happens to us, we are in Christ. The secret place. It's the place that we're hid in Christ. And he says here that he who abides or make his permanent home in, in Christ and in Him, our mind is on Him, our thoughts are on Him, you know, our lifestyle is after Him. It's He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Now notice in the first two verses, God. there's four names for God that's listed in the first four verses. Here in the verse number one, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. The word Most High is the name, the name of God, Elyon. And that, that name just simply means this, the lofty and the supreme one. It says that he who dwells in the secret place of Elyon uh, and, and of the lofty one, of the supreme one, we, we commune with him. We, we're, able to, we're able to reverently commune with him because he is the supreme one. There's nobody greater than him. It says that we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That word Almighty is the word Shaddai. It's the, uh, there's a lot of, lot of pictures for that in the word, but it's the strong and mighty one. And we rest in Him. Right? So, so it says that, that, that He who dwells or abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I was thinking of this word shadow, and I was thinking, I don't know, I can't really, you can't really see my shadow up here, but but the thing about a shadow is this. You know, you can see a little bit of my shadow. Well, I don't know, I had to get, yeah, it's behind me, I guess. Yeah, there you go, you can see it behind me. Yeah, yeah, you might be, there might be a shadow up here. Yeah, there we go. All right, so you can see my shadow here, and guess what? Nobody, nobody's touching my shadow right now. Why? Because I'm away from you a little bit. If you wanted to touch my shadow, if you wanted to be in my shadow, what would that be a picture of? It would be a picture of, you've got to be close to me. You see, it's not the, 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 the promise of being under His shadow or in the shadow of the Almighty and the shadow of Shaddai is not for somebody that's way off, but it's for somebody that's real close. Think about, think about in the New Testament, it said that Peter, that, that, you know, that Peter, uh, was walking down the streets and there were so many miracles happening. It says that people brought, uh, they brought the sick and the lame and they laid them on the side of the streets in hopes that Peter's shadow would fall on them. And when his shadow touched them, they were healed. Well, that means they got, they may not have been able to touch Peter, but they got close to him because the shadow touched him. Amen? The shadow represents in the shadow, if you see a shadow of something, that means whatever that shadow is representing or whatever shadow that shadow is a picture of, that means it's real close. It's not very far away if you see the shadow. Amen? So he said here, remember, and this he's talking about this, he who dwells in the secret place, he shall abide. That, that word abide is the same picture. That, that you know, it's, it's not just a come and go, but it's, it's to stop and to permanently be there. 
But he, he shall abide under the shadow of Shaddai. Then in verse 2, uh, from verse 2 down through verse 13, it kind of shifts gears, and now we see Jesus speaking. Now the reason we know that, or they say that it's Jesus speaking, is because over in Hebrews, it's actually quoted that said, Jesus said this, and this is, it, it quotes him of saying that the Lord is his refuge and his fortress. So, so here in verse 2, notice some things about verse 2. Verse 2 starts out and says, I will say of the Lord. That word Lord is the word Jehovah. That's the third, the third name. The Jehovah. It's the, the word Jehovah is the same word that when Moses showed up to the burning bush there and Moses said, who will I say sent me? And, and God said, I am. Tell him I am sent you. This is the same word. So he says, that I, and, and here it says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. Notice that the things of God and the, the promises of God, many of them are voice activated. You have to say some things. Now listen, if you listen to most people, most people are saying right the opposite of what God is saying. When it comes to this virus, this thing, the media wants you to believe that it's coming your way. That you're going to get it. Well, guess what? Jesus here, I mean, or this representation of, of Jesus, and, and it says that, He says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. Now, I love this psalm because uh, Solomon did this a lot in the, in, in, the, in the book of Proverbs about contrasting things. He would, he would compare this to this. And here in, in Psalm 91, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of, he uses two different words. And here in verse 2, he does that. He says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. That word refuge is is the same word for a like a shelter. It's a place, like for example, in Israel, um, in Israel, almost every house has a bomb shelter. You know, where when when the rockets start flying, they have somewhere they can go immediately for protection. They don't live in the bomb shelter because it's small and it's just it's there just to protect them in the in the short term. Right? That's that word refuge. He says he said here, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. And that what that means is when 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 trouble hits immediately, he will save me. And then he goes on to say, and he is my fortress. This word fortress means like a castle. It means like a, a place that's fortified. It means, it means a place that you could live at. So he said not only will he be there for the, for the immediate times, but he'll also be where he can protect me for all my days. So whether it's, whether it's an immediate need or whether it's something that I'll need for the rest of my life, here in verse 2 it says, I will say of the Lord, that's who he is. And sometimes I think it's good for us just to say that. So let's, let's just, because he said, I will say of the Lord. So let's just say that. Say, He is my refuge and my fortress. And verse 3, he goes on and he's still saying this. My God, in Him I will trust. That word my God is the fourth time, the fourth name of God. And it's Elohim. Elohim, which means uh, the Creator or Supreme God. We trust in Him. Amen. So those four names, notice that. He says He's the Most High, He's Almighty, He's Lord, and He's my God. He, he names off four names of God there that you and I can claim and you and I can hold fast to in our time of trouble. 
So, so it's voice activated. I'll say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Verse 3, He says, Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. I love that word, surely, because the Amplified says it this way. Uh, the, Amplified, the Amplified says, For then He will deliver you. In other words, what he's saying is this. When, when, you, when you start dwelling in the secret place and you start abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, you get close to Him. You stay with Him. You get up, in, you get up close to Him and, and you're, you're like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. He says, then, then He will deliver you. It's not when you're out doing your own thing. It's when you're abiding and when you're dwelling in the secret place and abiding under in His shadow. Then He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Now, notice that's another comparison. He says He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That's like a, a net that is cast for catching birds. And the birds fly into it unaware that it's there. And it traps them. And, and it's, a, it's a trap that is set so that, so that that bird will be caught. How many of you know the enemy loves to set traps for us? But here the Bible says that Jesus, he, he, said that, he said that when we dwell with Him and abide with Him, it's then that He will deliver us from that snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence or perilous pestilence, the new King James, the, the, the regular King James, I think says the noisome pestilence. How many of you know whatever you want to call coronavirus, whether you want to call it a pestilence or a plague or a whatever you want to call it, God will deliver you from it. Um, hold your place here. Look over in uh, Job, Job chapter 5, and look at this, um, this passage in Job chapter 5. He says this in Job chapter 5. This is actually one of Job's friends talking to him. This is uh, Eliphaz speaking to Job, and he's talking. And, and he said this in verse 19. He said this. He will deliver you, talking about God. He says, God will deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. Now, let's read a couple of verses and I'll come back and talk about it. Because this goes right along with what we're reading in Psalm 91. It says, In famine he shall redeem you from death, and in war from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine. And you shall not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. He goes on to say, he goes on to say down in verse uh, 26, he, he says some other things there too. But in verse 26, he says, you shall come to the grave at a full age. Amen. As a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. Amen. So, so here, he, but notice in verse 19, he said this, He shall deliver you in six troubles, yea, and in seven no evil shall touch you. Now, the number six we know is this, is the number of man, right? So, so one picture, one way we can look at this is this, that he's saying this, that he will deliver you whatever man brings against you. In six times, in man's troubles, he will deliver you. Now, here's the thing. We ask this question. I ask this in Foundations, but, but how many of you would say that you want to be delivered from, from troubles? I mean, I think we would all raise our hands and say that. Well, guess what? To be delivered, you've got to have trouble. If you have no trouble, there's nothing to deliver you from, right? 
And guess what? I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, and I'm not one to, to talk a lot about this. But guess what? Troubles come every day. We all face troubles. We all face hard times. We all face situations in our lives where it don't go exactly like we want it to go. Amen. I, I've always said I wish that I could tell you that when you get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues and, and living your life for Him and being Spirit-led and, and living a Spirit-filled life that you'll never have another trouble. But I'd have to repent because that would be a lie. <laughs> because the truth, probably the truth is we, we run into more trouble once that happens because the enemy, because we're going the opposite way of the enemy now. You know, I've always, always heard that if, if, if you're, if the, if the enemy's not, uh, bringing things against you, you know, you might better look out because you might be going the same way he's going. <laughs> now, thank God that he protects us and there's seasons of peace in our life and we don't have to, you know, we don't have to give in to that fear of always having trouble in our life. But but listen, trouble presents itself. We just don't have to participate. Amen. Every day, trouble will present itself to you. It's your choice whether you participate in it or not. And we cause most of the trouble in our lives, we end up causing it ourselves. Or we stay in it a lot longer than we should because of our choices. Amen. So, so Job there said, six times he will deliver you. And then seven, seven is the number of perfection. He said, in the seventh, he says, there will no evil touch you. And I, I, I'm looking forward to the day when no evil will be able to touch us. Amen. And now here, here in, back in Psalm 91, he says some more things. Now, like I said, if you're a believer, my question to you this morning is this. Are you going to believe his word? And if you believe His Word and you qualify for it, then you and I, even in the midst of all this trouble, even in the midst of all this, this, this chaos that we're facing, these next few verses are some very powerful verses that we can apply to our lives and we can walk in them. He says this in verse, uh, verse 4, He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. So he uses feathers and wings and then shield and buckler. Now feathers, um, feathers is talking about, if you look up that root word, it's talking about like, um, you know, like the, 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 like a chicken, uh, the, the feathers of a chicken or, you know, how like when, when, when a, um, you know, like if it starts to rain or there's something going on, that, that mother, mother hen will, will spread his wings and get them little chicks underneath her and, and cover her with her feathers. The word uh, wings there it represents the wings of an eagle. You know, so whether, whether it's a chicken on the ground or an eagle flying up over the, the storms of life, he says, God's got you covered. Amen. Now, it's also interesting that his truth will be your shield and your buckler. That's two different types of shields. The word buckler is one of those little round shields you see like you, they, they put on their forearm and it's like hand-to-hand -hand combat and it's not very big, it's not very heavy, but it's for, it's for the up-close battles and, and, you know, and, and when you're fighting is one you put here on your arm and, and it frees both arms and you can still swing your arm and stuff. That's a buckler. But the shield here he's talking about is a picture of, I don't know if you've ever saw those, seen those movies, but it's the picture of a, like a full body. I mean, it's bigger than you are. And, and you pick it up and it not only protects you, but it protects the people that's behind you too. And when you put them together, it creates like a wall. 
and they'll put them side by side and then they'll even put them up over top of them so that when the arrows start flying, that big shield protects them. So he says, he says his truth or his word is going to be a buckler for those hand-to-hand combat or it's also, and it also, not or, but it's an and, and it will also be the shield that will protect you from the long-range missiles that are shot. So whether it's short or whether it's long, God's got you. He's protecting you. Verse 5, he goes on to say this. Now, boy, this is a big one. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Notice he said this. He, he mentioned day and night, darkness and noonday. So in other words, whether it's in the middle of the day, whether it's in the middle of the night, whether the sun's shining or the sun's not shining, whether it's dark, whether it's light, whether it's rainy or cloudy, whether it's the sun's shining, it doesn't matter. He says no matter what the enemy brings your way, God's got you covered. Verse 7, he goes on. Now, man, we could stop and talk a lot about this, but, but we've got to get through this. Verse 7, he says this. This is probably one of the well-known verses here, more than other ones. He says, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Amen. Now, listen, I, I pray this. I, you know, I take these Scriptures and I, I apply it first person. When I pray this Scripture, you know, I'll pray it this way. Um, you know, I'll, I'll start even, I'll, I'll go up, like, I'll just read, I'll, I'll pray this the way I pray it. I was going to print this out and bring it to you, and I didn't, I didn't do that, so I, I may have it next week for you. But it says, here's the way I pray this. I say, Lord, since I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, my confession is this, Lord, You are my refuge and my fortress. You're my God, and in You I trust. I know that you will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You'll cover me with your feathers. Under your wings I'll take refuge. Your truth shall be my shield and my buckler. You, I will not be afraid of the terror by night. I'm not afraid of the arrow that flies by day. I'm not afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness. I'm not afraid of the destruction that lay waste at noonday. A thousand can fall at my side, ten thousand in my right hand. It will not come near me. Now, Pastor, how can you say that? Because I believe the Word. He said it. He said it. Verse 8. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. I love the Amplified in verse 8. The Amplified says this. Only a spectator shall you be yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. So my confession is, Lord, I'm only going to be a spectator because I am inaccessible because I'm in the secret place of the Most High. I am inaccessible to the enemy, to the enemy's attacks. Why? Because, my, because I dwell in the secret place. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You see how powerful this is? Verse 9, he goes on to say this, Because you have made the Lord, there that, the word Lord, that name again, Jehovah, because you have made, I am, because you have made Him, who, and, and then here he says, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, 
even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. So, so my prayer is, Lord, since I've made you my Lord, my Jehovah, the I am, you are my refuge, you're the Most High, my dwelling place, there shall no evil befall me. Nor, there's not a plague that can come near my house. Because, verse 11 says, For He shall give His angels charge over you. The Amplified says, He shall give His angels an, a, a special charge over you to accompany, to defend, and to preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. So Lord, I thank You that You have given Your angels charge over me. To keep me, to accompany me, to defend me, to preserve me in all my ways of obedience and service. Verse 12, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. I love this picture of this verse. How many of you remember like, or, or you know, and you may even still do it, but I remember when our, our boys were young, we would be walking with them and, and Stacy may be on one side and I'm on the other holding hands and, and, and sometimes they would just want to jump, you know, and, and we would swing them and, and, you know, they would just jump and we'd pick them up and just swing them. Well, here, this is a picture. He says that, that God put his, gave his angels this charge over you to keep you and to protect you, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Get this picture. You're walking down the street and you may not even know there's something, a pitfall up ahead, a rock or something that will cause you to stumble. And you're just walking, minding your own business, just enjoying the fellowship with your father and you're just going about your business. And then all of a sudden you just kind of feel like a little lift. And, and then you, they just sit back down and you just keep going. You didn't even know what happened. They just picked you up so that you wouldn't stumble over that stone. And other times you might be able to see it and, and, and jump over. But how many of you know that I think if, if we, when we get to heaven, if God shows us the DVD of our lives, I think we're going to be shocked how many times those angels lifted us up over all those troubles. And so many times we didn't even know that, that it was there. Now, there are times when, when we have an unction. You know, we're, we're, we're getting ready to do something and, and we just feel something. It's like, whoa, whoa, don't go yet. You know, st- stay for a minute. Or, or you, know, you know, I normally go right and all of a sudden I have this unction to go left or something. And, and you know, we don't know why. And then we find out, we, we decide to, to follow that unction. We go left and we get to work. And, and then we find out there was a major wreck where, right where we would have been. Well, how many of you know that's not coincidence? I mean, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and protect you. Amen. Amen. So here he says, he says that he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verse 13, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Listen, there's nothing the enemy can throw at you that God hasn't got you covered. Whether it's night or day, darkness or sunlight, whether it's rain or shine, whether it's big or small, whether it's near or far. I mean, this is a picture. These verses from verse 1 to verse 13 is a picture. If you could sum it up, you could sum it up in these words. God's got you. He's got you covered. Top, bottom, right, left, front, back, every which way. There's nothing the enemy can do for you if you are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, if you are abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, we shift gears. Verse 14 through 16, the last three verses, this is Father God speaking now. Verse, verse 1 was the Holy Spirit. Verse 2 through 13 was Jesus. 
And now here, verse 14 through 16, this is the Father. Now, let's read this, and I'll come back in. I love this, and man, I pray this. I, I mean, I, 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 stick, I hang out on these verses. But let's read this, verse 14 through 16. It says this, Because He has set His love upon me, therefore I will deliver Him. I will set Him on high, because He has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now listen. You see, that's Father speaking to us. So we just got through. The Holy Spirit made that declaration over us. Jesus has made the declaration over us, told us what's happening and how God's protecting us. But now the Father looks down and, and here's how I pray this. And I'll read, I'll, I'll read this from the Amplified because it's got a, a little bit more. It amplifies a couple things. But here's how I pray this. Because Stephen has set his love upon me, says the Lord, says my Father. Therefore, I will deliver Stephen. I will set Stephen on high because he knows and understands my name. Stephen has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness. Stephen trusts and relies on me, knowing that I will never forsake Stephen. No, never. Stephen shall call upon me, and I will answer him. Stephen will, or I will be with Stephen in trouble. I will deliver Stephen, and I'll honor him. With long life will I satisfy Stephen, and I'll show Stephen my salvation. You can't get any better than that. Come on. You, I mean, whether it doesn't matter whether it doesn't matter what you're facing, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you, it doesn't matter what the what the all the pundits are saying about coronavirus. If you are dwelling in the secret place, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you trust Him and you believe His word, a thousand can fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near your house. Pastor, I just don't know whether I would say that. Well, then it won't be true for you. You're a believer. You have to believe the Word. Now listen, in the Jewish Talmud, the, it's kind of like they're the, the Jewish uh, law book or however you want to say that. Um, they, they say that Psalm 91 is a healing psalm. And they say that if you have a sickness, and this is still true to this day, that they tell they teach Jewish people that if you have a sickness in your body that you can quote Psalm 91 seven times and healing will come. Now, we know the Scripture says, you know, God doesn't like vain repetition. It's not just, it's not just reading it seven times and, and, you know, and then saying, okay, where's my healing? You know, and John G. Lake actually said this. BJ gave that story of John G. Lake about the bubonic uh, plague. But also in, in, one, of, in one of his uh, books that, that I've got back there, he, he said this about, about Psalm 91. He said that uh, he said there's no there's no wonder why the Jewish Talmud says that because he said there's no way that you can read Psalm 91 seven times without faith being built up in your heart. If you read Psalm 91 with a heart of uh, with a heart that says I believe and I'm looking to you, Father, I believe what you say, and I'm reading this to just to convince myself to to get your word in my heart and and to to understand more what your word says. You read it and you read it and you read it and you read it and you keep reading it until until all of a sudden it becomes a reality in your life. 
You read it until the spirit of faith rises up. And when the spirit of faith rises up, it's yours. What you've been believing is yours. So all, listen, this whole passage, this whole passage is about simply believing His Word. Now, we, we have a choice, church. We have a choice. We can believe what we see and hear on TV, the news, the media. We can believe that. We can be in fear. We can be full of worry, full of dread. You know, wondering if, 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 if we're going to catch something, if we go to, to go get groceries or go to, go to a restaurant or, or, you know, or just go to work or whatever the case may be. Or, as believers, we can believe His Word. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, we as the church in 2020, His church, not a denomination, not a, an affiliation, I'm just talking about the church, being part of the church, it's time for us, the quote from A.W. Prozier, a scared world needs a fearless church. The scared world out there needs to see you and I as believers start believing the Word. I'll tell this story, and I should have looked this up before, but Jeremiah Johnson, I'm sure some of you know, have heard him, he's a prophetic guy. He had this vision a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he, he had this vision where he went to this town, and the town was like uh, ramsacked by, by disease and, and this coronavirus, and, and the, they were just in chaos. And, and he was looking, he, was, he said he went into that town looking for the righteous. And everywhere he looked, he didn't see any of the righteous. You know, the town was in chaos. And he asked somebody, he said, where's the righteous? And they said, oh, they're over, they're over there, you know, over here or something. And... And when he got to the where the righteous were, they were, you know, everybody else was in chaos and just, you know, fear and trembling and just it was it was a mess. And when he when he walked in, he said he said he said it was almost like it was a different world. And he stepped into the church and he said he said that they were celebrating and they were laughing and dancing and, and rejoicing and he said there was no fear, there was no there was no worry, there was you know, he said it was totally different than what he experienced in the world. And he asked him, he says, he said, he said, wait a minute, he said, there's so much fear and so much uh, junk out there. And he said, I come in here and it's totally different. He said, what's the, he said, what's the deal here? And, and he said, they told him, they said, they said, we live on a different plane. In other words, there's a different level that you and I can live on. And it's called Psalm 91. It's called the Word. It's called our sure foundation that every one of us should be living on. There should not be fear in our lives. If, there, if you have fear over something, then it's a sure indicator you need to go back to the Word and find out what the Word has to say about it. Now listen, I'm not talking about being stupid and doing stupid things. You understand that. I'm talking about... You know, when I say when I say don't fear, I'm not talking about going out and just and being being irresponsible in how you do things. How you know, I'm talking about you know you do your part, we do our part, we wash our hands, we we take the necessary precautions, we do everything in the natural we can do, but we do not have to fear like the world fears. 
Because we have the word on it that I don't care how many die over here, I don't care how many die over there. It's not coming here. I'm, I'm telling you, church, I've been praying this prayer for you for about six weeks. The Lord's had me praying this. I, as I pray this every morning, as I read this every morning, I'm praying it. I may not call every one of you out by name, but I, I pray it over, over the church family right here at Destiny Bible Church. And I'm believing that you and I, in this time, I don't think it's a coincidence that this is happening and God had me, be, that had me doing this except for the time that we're in right now. This is what the world needs. The world needs you. The world needs me to step up and say, you know what? I'm a believer. I believe Psalm 91. I don't have to fear like the world fears. The Bible says we don't have to, it says we don't have to grieve like the world grieves because we have a hope. Right? And it's the same thing with this. We don't have to fear like them. Why? Because we have the truth. We have the Word. We, we know what God says. His name, His, His place, His, uh, His Word, His faithfulness, everything, everything goes into what, what He gave us right here. How do, you make, how do we make it through these perilous times? We trust His Word. We become, we become what we're supposed to be, and that's believers. Jesus said one of my favorite passages in like John 13, or John, right around uh, John there. He, he said where the two blind guys come to Jesus and, 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 and Jesus asked them, said, what, what would you have me do for you? And they said, we want our sight restored. And then Jesus told them, he says, he says, uh, he says, become what you believe. The message translation says, that. says, become what you believe. Let me ask you something. If you were, if you were to become what you believe right now, what would you be? I mean, are you, are you truly a believer? Do you believe the Word? Or are you, are you believing the, the mess out there in the world? I challenge you. I challenge us as a church today. Let's be believers. Let's believe the Word. Like I said, doesn't mean you have to go out and do stupid things to prove yourself. But at the same time, we don't hide and say, well, you know, we'll, we, you know, we'll just do something else some other time. No, listen. We are believers. Now, even, even like for what we did, we canceled the meal and we, we postponed the bowling thing just because, you know what, I mean, I want us all to be able to go and enjoy, in our, enjoy ourselves and be able just to go to have a good time and not have any, any thoughts whatsoever about anything, right? And there's some people, and listen, not everybody is going to believe like this. You're, probably some of your family don't believe like this. There may be some of you sitting in here today think I'm crazy. Pastor, how can you how can you sit there and say that you're not fearing all this stuff and all this stuff? You know, well, I mean, because I'm a believer, I believe His word. I mean, not saying you know, I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody or that I'm farther along than anybody. I'm just telling you what I believe. You know, you have to decide what you believe, and you know what, when you decide what you believe, you have to walk in that. I, I can't walk your life out for you. You can't walk your my life out for me. But together we can support each other. And we can, we can help each other. We can respect each other. And we can build each other up and teach each other and, and help one another along the way. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Don't look down on people. Don't, you know, don't, don't think, oh, well, you know, you're silly for believing like that. No, don't, I mean, don't do stuff like that. Just know this. Know what you believe and why you believe it. And then walk it out. Let people see by the evidence of your life the beliefs in your heart. Because it will come out.
It comes out. It, it, it always does. So, you know, so we're not saying we're better than anybody. We're not saying we have all the answers because we don't and we're not. Amen. But one thing I do know is this. I believe His Word. Amen. Well, Pastor, what, what would happen if, if you come down with a coronavirus? You know what? I'd just say, Lord, you're going to have to heal me. Amen. You know, I, I stood on Your Word. Amen. Amen. And, and, you know, so, so now listen. So I just encourage you. I encourage you today. I encourage you today. Become a believer. Do, do what, do what the, the Word says we're to do, and that's that we're to believe. Amen. Be safe. Do obey the obey the laws that they put out the things that they do. I mean, you know, we're not we're not out to make a scene. Amen. But but if if the law ever if the law ever contradicts his word, then we we believe his word. Amen. And we stand on his word. Amen. Well, I hope this encouraged you today, and I hope I hope it gave you something to feed your faith and to go out and even in the the, the perilous times we're in and the the chaos that we're in, you and I do not have to walk in fear. Amen. So I encourage you. Um, a couple things. We uh, President Trump, uh, President Trump had uh, asked that we set today aside as a day of prayer concerning the coronavirus, concerning these things that are facing our nation. Um, we're not going. I mean, we'll pray as we close today. Some, but but tonight at 5 p.m. we're going to have a special time of prayer for our nation. Um, we're going to have a special time of prayer. We set that side uh, set aside some time tonight. Five o'clock, we're going to come. We're going to pray for an end to the coronavirus. We're going to pray for our president. We're going to pray for our country and uh, for wisdom to go forward. And so if you want to be a part of that, I encourage you to come back at five o'clock tonight. And we're going to, we're going to uh, do what, what the president has asked us to do and, and, say, and have some prayer, uh, spend some time praying for our country and for an end to this coronavirus. Amen. So we'll be here at 5 o'clock for that. Uh, the youth are selling brownies back at the information table. They are really good, a dollar a bag. So you make sure you sell, buy all them up so I don't have to eat them all. 